2: Welcome back, everyone. This is the x I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network, on the Mutual Broadcast Network, across Europe on Euro T- Radio TV, Radio X, and around the world on iHeart Radio. If you'd like to send me an email, X-Zone at dot com, and all social media sites, dot com. And if you'd like to check out the programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the XON Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour is JC Coven, a gentleman I've had the pleasure of having on the show many times. And, and I'd just like to redo this little bit of a bio on uh, JC And this is a quote, I've come to pretend I'm a galactic Margaret Mead observing a planet of relativity, primate, bipeds who, by blurring the line between ignorance and arrogance, have managed to wreck one of the beautiful jewels in the galaxy. There was a lesson to have been learned, but I fear it has escaped the overwhelming mass of humanity. The true outcome is not what I would have expected when I first agreed to come here. Joining me now is JC and JC, welcome back to the x
3: Oh, what an absolute pleasure. Out of the blue, Rob, it's great to reconnect.
2: It certainly is, my friend. So where are you? Are you in the United States? Are you in the Andes? Are you in Ecuador? Where are you?
3: I am in the southern Andes of Ecuador, just a little shy of a mile high, Wow! In a, tiny, in a tiny little village, completely redefining everything about my life.
2: Uh, what was the inspiration to go to Ecuador and the Andes, my friend?
3: I think you're asking a piece of toothpaste that was squeezed out of the tube. How did you happen to get out of the tube?
2: <laughs>
3: uh, it just got. I, whatever you guys are doing north of the Rio Grande, yeah, uh, not in my name. It just it it got to a point where it just got so overwhelming in every single level that I said this is not this is just not fit for children and other living things.
2: It certainly is. Uh rather unsettling what is happening, not only in the United States, but in Canada these days and other parts of the world. Uh, if you'll excuse the expression, it seems that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, not because of any direct fault of the world, but because of its inhabitants, the bipeds.
3: Here, here. here. I mean, absolutely. If you take a whiteboard
2: mm-hmm.
3: and just take all of the seemingly isolated incidents that are happening worldwide... On the geofinancial, geopolitical, um, georeligious, yeah. you know, every, every aspect that you want to put down. And just put them up there without judging them at all. You'll put up one more piece of information. Uh, you'll never know where it comes from. And then all of a sudden, everything links together. And you clearly see a picture that was always there, but you were never able to see before. And it's happening, unfortunately. Unfortunately.
2: How much does the massive amount of data and and information that we are privy to these days have to play with this mess
3: well it's very difficult to sort because there is as much misinformation as there is good information and right. and people don't want to be bothered by facts you know they're they're deeply deeply acculturated that's the way our societies have been put together uh, you're told from the your tiny little child, what your religion is going to be, mm-hmm. what your what your history is, uh, which team you root for, what your values are, what kind of car you need to drive, which college you have to go to, what you should aspire to. And you end up really being a very, very obedient consumer.
2: Hmm. So I, I would imagine then the teacher is not the the teacher that is is responsible for our education, but the teacher these days and the principal these days is the mass media.
3: It's interesting because I go back now, I've taken a very deep perspective view of my entire life
2: mm-hmm.
3: and constantly changed the point from which I view, which is something that I certainly encourage others to try just for fun. And I realized that the teachers that I had that I loved growing up, and they were just beautiful, beautiful people, uh, taught me the syllabus that they were told to taught, and they genuinely believed every word they were teaching me. And in my in my mind, I just imagine that I have the awareness that I have right now. Yeah. And I go back to where I was in the fourth or fifth grade and I speak to Mrs. Collins and I say, you know, what you're telling that what you're telling the kids about World War Two really is not true. That's not how the war happened. That's not who financed the war. That's not the purpose of the war.
2: J.C., I hate to do this to you, my friend, but we've got to take a break. Please stand by. Exonation. J.C. Colvin is our special guest, www.prismhouse.com. And it's always a great pleasure having J.C. on the show with us. And we'll continue this conversation on the other side of this break. Don't go away.
1: Help us help a veteran make it through the night.
2: Explanation. J.C. Covey is our special guest this hour, www.prismhouse.com. And during the commercial break, uh, J.C. and I were talking, and and I know that you can hear the beautiful birds in the background, and uh, these are wild birds that you're listening to. And J.C. was telling me that over the last year, what was it, Doug? Uh, Uh, JC, you uh, harvested 15 gallons of honey?
3: 15 gallons of honey. I mean, we
2: have bushels of
3: strawberries that come in every week and tomatoes that we give out to the entire town. Papayas grow year-round. As I said, I'll send you a list of, of what we grow. It's like more than you have in your local supermarket, and it's all organic.
2: So you have found the Garden of Eden?
3: I think in this instance, you know, someday we'll, t- we'll talk about the whole backstory, but I don't want to bore your listeners with it. Uh, the Garden of Eden found us. We spent 12 years looking. Um, during the course of our lives, Ariane and I have lived on six continents, mm-hmm. um, looking for the place that was the resonant match. And every place we went, it was sort of like putting the s- two south ends of a two bar magnets, trying to put them together. They would just repel each other. We were here for less than 24 hours before we had to leave. We saw nothing, and we knew with absolute certainty this was where we're meant to be. And the only way I can explain it is if you imagine that you interview a a bishop on a chessboard, and you say, oh my God, Mr. Bishop, I see you were on Queen Five, the Red Square. How did you get there? And he looks at you and says, huh? (laughs) Darn if I know. Some hand just picked me up and stuck me here. And there's a lot about the, the way the universe works that way in people's lives. You know, you can call it synchrodestiny or whatever you want to call it. But there are some extraordinary things that could happen to each being on the planet if they would let go of all the concepts of who they thought they were.
2: Where does this concept come from? Is this what we were talking about earlier about what we're taught, who we are, who are, what our heritage is, what team we vote, uh, what team we go for, and everything? But whatever happened to free will, JC? Oh wow! Okay, you, you've opened up an extraordinary concept. Um,
3: I've struggled with the concept of free will for a long, long time, mm-hmm. and from a galactic perspective, it doesn't exist on the planet. There's the potential for free will, but it's not there. So when I speak to my guys, I call them my guys, but it's just higher perspectives. Asking them the difference between choice and free will. They say it's very simple. Imagine, again, the chess game. Um, Free will, you can move the piece anywhere on on the board it's allowed to go. Choice, you can move within the red square any place you like. So what we have here is the illusion of free will. It's choice. And the difference is that choice is made up with predilection and bias and preference. Free will is driven purely by curiosity, where either side is totally equally acceptable. And so our lives are a consequence of choices that are always made within the square in which the universe moves us. So in one, from one perspective, everything mm-hmm. is predetermined. From another perspective, you have total control of the outcome of your life within that predetermined script, which is so vast and so large that you don't get to see it from here. I mean, you've opened up a gigantic gigantic area. Scientists now are beginning to call us that we live within a holographic universe.
2: I was just going to ask you about that.
3: Yeah, from within it appears that way. Um, When you look at our existence from outside of ourselves, Mm -hmm. from within, the universe that they, all they can see within the hologram. It's much more of a fractal, Mandelbrot-set type of universe. Um, you know, the as-above-so-below kind of concept yeah. actually repeats. What we are at every level of that fractalization, if there is such a word, is a projection of consciousness into a more restricted environment. So it's almost as if our higher self projects a portion of consciousness into A hologram for the experience of being here in a third third density a third density environment and that same higher self can project simultaneously 17 18 whatever number it wishes into different timelines on different planets or the same planet so when you go out there you actually can dialogue with that higher aspect of yourself each being when you let go of ego and identity exists on an infinite continuum, and every point on that continuum is accessible as a point from which one can view. And what one sees from each point of view is entirely different from what one sees from the previous point of view.
2: But this, so enti- a- this entire new concept is just shaking the roots of everything that humankind is aware. For example, what does this do to religion and to the concept of God?
3: Wow, 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 wow. God is, God is projected into the highest level that we can perceive. And for humans, it's an extremely, extremely low level. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had experiences where I was out into the infinite, and I realized with absolute certainty, from my perspective, of course, there is no God. There is only God. And that distinction, while it means very, very little to people on the planet, Is a vast important difference there is nothing in creation but that which is the oneness there's not the oneness and me there is just God and so when we pray Mm -hmm. per se we create separation so when you look at human human history from an a outside perspective you realize that what they taught you in terms of uh, how long we've been on the planet, who's been in charge, is entirely wrong. You know, right now people like Graham Hancock Mm -hmm. are coming up with Gobekli Tepe and realizing that the Sphinx and a lot of other major, major areas of archaeological interest around the world are at least 15,000 years old. Um, So the history that that Mrs. Collins taught me, and you were taught by Miss Jones or whomever, is total fanciful. The, the word that I heard recently, which I loved, was quackademia.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, love I it. fell in love with that word. I love it. But, you know... It, quackademia. We, yeah. have to, we have to take some responsibility, or the, the powers-to-be have to take some responsibility for the situation we're in. We're still teaching kids in school today that Christopher Columbus discovered the Americas. And we know for a fact... Yeah that it was the vikings that discovered north america way before christopher columbus but academia is saying we don't want to we don't want to say that we were wrong so we'll just continue and you know we'll just keep the lie going so that we in academia do not look as if we have been wrong and then i've listened to people like michael cremo of you know forbidden archaeology and others who mm-hmm. have b- proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that what archaeology and science have claimed is totally wrong. So why the lie? Why the cover-up? Why not be honest with us?
3: Well, I think to answer that question, we need to sit in council with the dark side and realize that human evolution was highly interrupted at several points. What major religions worship as their god, for example, is probably not no higher than the Anunnaki, People that have done human experiments, messed around with with Mm -hmm. genomes and DNA and created the race as we know it. And then you have the people who fancy themselves as the descendants of that bloodline who feel entitled to continue the work. Um, And it goes on if you. Well, let's let's take a very interesting, a very interesting sidebar. Sure. Go and go and Google sublime, uh, subliminal advertising back uh-huh. in the 1960s. Yeah. and those were the days when all of the television stations either closed off with O Canada or the, the Star Spangled Banner,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and they would scroll the words of the national anthem below, this, below the screen as they were as they were signing off for the night. When you slow it down, you get subliminal messages that were put in between the words that you will see when you slow it down, saying, God is great, God is watching. Obey the government, consume. Now, imagine the mindset that would think that that was what they wanted to impregnate the thoughts of all of the population with. What is their agenda? And then watch what happens around the world and see how consistently it fits With the agenda of people who are trying to control the population, Um, we talk about, for example, Canada or the United States, but those are fictitious. When you fly above them, there's no line painted on the ground that says this is Canada or this is the U.S. or this is Nicaragua or whatever. And in fact, the world has become a vast corporatocracy where the nations no longer play any, any role other than a facade to keep the people in line. What they're viewed by, by the corporations, are consumer zones. So you have the eastern consumer zone, the western consumer zone, and and so on. Um, We're at a point right now of, we're past the tipping point. Everything now is unraveling at an extraordinary rate. Information now, because of the internet, shows like yours, and quite a few other people who are are out there who have just said enough is enough, are putting out information. it shouldn't be called WikiLeaks. It should be called Wiki River. <laughs> Oh, isn't like, that the truth? Yes. What's coming out right now, um, if people would take their heads out of the sand and actually do a little research, um, jet fuel burns at one temperature, steel melts at another, <laughs> and the difference is 600 degrees. So the stories that you're told that people want to believe um, are so outrageous They're so far from anything that can be factually supported. And yet people just view them as inconvenient truths, to quote Mr. Gore. So we're in a situation right now which is unstable. Uh, The entire world right now is repositioning itself. Currencies as we know it are rapidly, rapidly disappearing. Um, The age of, you know, the the Bretton Woods falling into the petrodollar, is gone. Uh, countries now are dealing in each other's currencies, and it looks like there's going to be some sort of reset using something of value like gold or silver as a base, which will give people a far more level playing field. And those that were in charge apparently have some have some things to answer. So we'll see what happens. I mean, from my perspective, I deliberately came to this planet to be here now to watch these events unfold. And the last thing that I want for myself is to miss a single detail.
2: JC, you and I have to take a commercial break at the bottom of the hour for our news. Please stand by. Exonation, uh, JC Coven is our special guest. And if you'd like to find out more about JC, www.prismhouse.com. That's www.prismhouse.com. Um, And if you'd like to re-listen to the segment I did yesterday when we had these two so-called mediums come on uh, for an interview and when asked if they could, you know, tell me who's around me, they refused. And I said, why? The guy said, I don't want to. I said, do you realize by saying I don't want to, you are putting any credibility that you may have had at total risk and then instead of saying anything intelligent, they hung up. <laughs> Proving my point. We'll be back on the other side of this break, explanation, Nation. And if you'd like to listen to that archive, just go to either SoundCloud or Speaker or iHeartRadio. And just look on yesterday's date. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell and JC Colvin and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue from our broadcast centre in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. JC Covey is our special guest. www.prismhouse.com. So, JC, who's really in charge of what's going on? Who's pulling the strings?
3: <laughs> uh, at this particular point, nobody.
2: <laughs> oh boy!
3: <laughs> oh boy! There are, there are people who still believe that they're in charge. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of backstabbing, a lot of lying. Uh, unfortunately, too many deaths. Yeah. Um, it's when you, when you corner, when you corner a rat, you have to, you have to expect that they're going to strike back in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a terribly, terribly unstable situation. Uh, I'd like to believe that somebody's in charge, but it's not working out that way. The only thing that I would say from a positive standpoint, if you want to look at a geo financial perspective, um, is Russia and China getting together and creating the, the one road, silk road and bringing in the Eurasian link and pulling in all the subcontinent. Um, Again, the whole purpose of that is commerce. But what's left behind in every place that you turn is people are not looking outside of themselves. Uh, The only criteria I think that one should take in looking at anybody or looking certainly at oneself is either you're in service to self or you're in service to others and anything else that you say about yourself or claim about yourself to me falls away and is irrelevant at the end of the day the lesson on this planet is to learn that to learn the oneness that the other self is you and that by serving others you serve the greater good i mean there's there's no other way out of this and so in terms of who's in charge the people that were from the best information that i can glean is that their puppet masters Uh, have now been neutralized. And so the people who appear to have been in charge of the planet no longer have the support that they were getting and are pretty much in panic mode. So what you see right now, you know, the trips down to Antarctica, all sorts Mm -hmm. of stuff that are going on, um, desperate people will do desperate things. So the best thing you can do is um, look up, and if there's a fan in the room,
2: get out. (laughs) So... Where do we go from here? If we're past the point of no return, what do we do? I think we have to reach total compression.
3: Uh, There has to be a point where everything collapses, and then people then have to realize that whatever values they've been holding on to, they're insufficient, they're false, they're not good enough. And each person has to have a a moment of great, great, great introspection and either look out or look in. I, I don't know the answer. I'm here really, you know, I kid around by talking about being a galactic Margaret Mead, but every fiber of my body believes that to be true. I'm here experiencing this restaurant at the end of the universe from from the inside, from within the hologram. It's an extraordinary privilege to be here. Uh, we are blessed beyond beyond measure to be able to witness this. And I think all one can do is take on a witness state and be responsible for yourself, your own words, your own deeds, your own thoughts, and monitor yourself and and see if you can constantly change the point from which you view until you achieve an understanding that sort of goes click, and all of a sudden you get this from a galactic perspective. You understand what's happening on this planet.
2: But if this is a holographic experience that we are part of, what's the sense in trying to make the mortgage payments, the car payments, going to work, you know, uh, taking responsibility if this is nothing else but a projection and we're part of this projection? There's no
3: sense in any choice that you make other than the fact that you've made it. Um... So the, the question is, is very large and it doesn't have a simplistic answer. You need to sit down and realize you, I mean, you being the vast portion of the audience, myself right. included, sure. that all of the values, all of the things that you do during the day um, have been accult- deeply acculturated and you do them so that you fit into your society, your family, your church, your, your groups, whatever it might be. Um, and they're not yours. And I didn't realize this fully until I was plucked out of my existence and brought to a, a mountain valley in the Andes of southern Ecuador where I was stripped. You know, my, my one possession was my gold Starbucks card. How could I, how could <laughs> I not keep up my status? <laughs> and, you know, and I watched one by one all of, all of the markers that made me feel good about myself fall away. Mm-hmm. And you know the expression, wherever you go, there you are? Yeah. There I was. And from noth- giving it all up, having nothing, having no values whatsoever, to begin watching sunrises and listening to the birds. Our land now is full of dragonflies and bees and, I mean, all sorts of... We live in the lap of nature. It, it's not more beautiful than where we are. And everything we eat is absolutely organic. How do I know? I grow it. So it's, it's a completely different set of values. I don't care about, you know, what motorcycle I ride or what sure. car I've got in my driveway or, or any of that stuff.
2: But if, in fact, this is a holographic ex, you know, existence that we're in, J.C., You are comfortable in your holographic world. Does that mean the person who is at the top of a Fortune 500 company who has, I guess in his holographic world, has climbed up the ladder that he doesn't have the ability or the right to be happy and content in his holographic world?
3: He has total, absolute right to make any choice he wishes. I grew up, my best friend Mm -hmm. became extremely, 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 Successful. Uh, he's on the Fortune 500 list or 100 list or whatever. Uh, sits on the board of the New York Federal Reserve. Blah, blah blah. Without, I don't want to get into too many details. I don't want to identify him. And every time, uh, there was one time I went into went into where he lives and arranged to have lunch with him. And it took about a month and a half to clear his calendar for lunch. And I realized every single time I wash dishes, which I do every day, this is not something he can do because his time and his life are not his. So he's climbed, he's more than climbed the ladder. Um, We went to a very good restaurant and all that, all that I saw around me as we talked was everyone in the restaurant wanted to be acknowledged by him. And I went, wow, you know, and this is to many people that level of, of financial success of celebrity of power, Um, not that it's a bad thing, it's not, but it consumes one's life. There's no place in that existence to exhale. Now, if he's happy, then nothing should change. Each person has the right to make whichever choice he or she wishes for whatever reason. And then at some particular point, maybe become retrospective and say, you know what, I wonder what would have happened if I made the other choice instead. what? Where would that path not taken have, have moved my life? And I don't know that there's a right answer for that, Rob. And it's not that it matters. The purpose of projecting ourselves into the hologram was to have the experience. And we're free to do whatever we want within the hologram, outside of the restriction, from a higher perspective, of rightness and wrongness. And when we go past that, we're in, in, we're in Rumi's field. And, you know, that particular thing outside, be, out, out beyond rightness and wrongness, there is a field. I will meet you there. And one can meet oneself in that field from time to time and realize that whatever choices one makes, taking away the rightness and wrongness have just created an interesting life. And when you're bored with it, move on. If, you, if you're still consumed with mm-hmm. it, you want to follow it, go for
2: it. So how strong does the the illusion of belief play into the entire new scenario, this holographic existence that we're in? Well, from my perspective, belief
3: is the lowest possible form of processing information there is. Belief is something that you buy into because of consensus or you were told by authoritative figures like your parents Mm -hmm. or your clergy or your school or your society. And belief ends up identifying you. Humans, from my perspective, are driven by the two main, two main forces that drive humans beyond Maslow's are the need for identity, the need for relevance. And belief gives you both. So I, my advice to people is mm-hmm. believe what you want. The only crime in that process is confusing believing with knowing they are worlds apart.
2: What about these people who spend their lives searching and seeking, going one, going from one belief philosophy to the next, and then all of a sudden they have that epiphany, and they, like you, JC, when you've found the, the little, if I can use this analogy, this little piece of heaven that you're in now, they too find their piece of heaven.
3: And welcome to it. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's no way that I believe for a second that my views are correct. And in fact, what I look to do in every day is to disprove them. Too I hate staying at one, one particular point of perspective too long, mm-hmm. because if I do, I know that I'm stuck. So that the, the, the joy for me is not in the epiphany. The joy for me is in the journey. The constant searching, um, moving closer and closer to an indefinable, unknowable mystery. So it's the exploration of that mystery that that gives me my juice. Uh, Do I ever expect to get there? Absolutely not. I would be desperately disappointed if I did.
2: So where is your next um, venture, your next uh, point that you're going to be seeking another place, or have you found your little piece of heaven?
3: Oh, in terms of where we're going to live, Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine any place, I mean, it took us 12 years to find this place, or for it to find us. I cannot imagine any other place, we speak often about it, if not here, where. Um, The only two places in the world, looking back, that have any tug to me at all, would be the island of Sicily, because the people there are so absolutely phenomenal, and a tiny island off the Inner Hebrides of Scotland called Iona. Um, those are the only two pieces of geography that I have any any ties to at all, and those are weak ties. You know, it's sure. more of a, a happy, smiling memory than anything else. There is no other place in the world that I would rather go or be than here, and if there was,
2: by God, I'd go. All right, stand by, JC. We've got to take our, um, let me see. This is, I believe, the final break for this segment. Right, okay. Is this uh, final segment we're coming up to, Craig? It is? Time flies when you're having fun with good friends here on the Exxon. Zone <laughs> Nation, my guest this hour, is JC Covey. His website is prismhouse.com, and JC and I will be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget Exonation if you'd like to check out what is available for you 724 365 on the Exon Broadcast Network. www.xzbn.net J.C. Covey is our special guest of this hour explanation, www.prismhouse.com. So, J.C., in the big scheme of things, you know, if this is a holographic existence, why are we spending so much time and energy and money into space exploration? If this is nothing else but a hologram, we, what are we trying to accomplish What an interesting question.
3: Uh, The real answer is I haven't got a clue. I cannot imagine what we're trying to accomplish. Um, There is... You know, when you take a look at the deep space program Mm -hmm. and um, the history of the the dissolution of the Nazi empire after World War II and how it flowed into where where the deep space program went you realize, in fact, that the Germany never lost the war. Um, everything was just an elaborate cover-up as to what was really happening. From what I gather, the move into space was motivated by the control people of the, the dark, some of the darker forces of, of ETs um, with their with their bloodline minions on the planet exercising greater and greater control and the value system that these people have are just power and money and apparently there's a lot of mining that could be done in the asteroid belts and in different places and they've achieved a major a major trade program i would imagine certainly throughout the galaxy i don't i don't know that it goes beyond that i don't know much about that but The trillions of dollars, I think 6.5 trillion that went missing from the Defense Department budget this year alone, has found their way into the deep space program. Uh, The lady you want to talk to about that probably, there are a couple of people who have great, great information on that, would be Catherine Austin Fitz, can give you a a lot of the background accounting from a government standpoint. Mm -hmm. And a, a brilliant, brilliant thinker when it comes to this kind of stuff. But the motivation, I think, is probably just... Service to self, greed, power, and getting more money.
2: But if we are part of a holographic existence, why then are we talking about money? Why are we talking about extraterrestrials? Why are we talking about deep space? If this is a holographic experience we're in, it really doesn't the, exist. Nothing
3: in creation exists. All of creation exists in an infinite instant as thought projections of intention, Um, just pure consciousness playing against a vast infinite screen. So from that perspective, from within the hologram, one cannot realize it's a hologram. The only people that are making this kind of extraordinary noise Mm -hmm. are the quantum physicists that are falling into this using the Sherlock Holmes kind of thinking after after eliminating all possibilities, no matter how logical, and one is left with an improbable solution, that must be the truth. And That's how they're falling into this holographic existence, because nothing else in their models, in their mathematical models, can satisfy their unified field theories. So they're reluctantly coming to this type of realization from outside of the hologram, As I said earlier, it appears to me to be far more fractal.
2: But that doesn't mean that quantum physicists are right. It means that they can apply their belief to a situation and therefore creating their own reality. But that that doesn't mean they're right.
3: No, 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 no. There is no rightness to it. Okay. What they are doing is, is they're taking the point from which they view, from within the hologram, and trying to project that to all of the universe. Um, And they end at the edge of their hologram, which they consider a a two-dimensional plane in which all potential exists, and that everything that occurs within the hologram is a reflection of a, a beam of intention of consciousness, which they have great difficulty in defining. They can define awareness very well, but they can't define consciousness. And... Science unfortunately falls into the same arrogance that religion does, attempting to have the entire answer um, when the entire answer is an absolute unknowable mystery that doesn 't lend itself to scientific inquiry or
2: mathematical expression but how come in so, this holographic experience there are consequences for our actions um only in our minds i'm not sure
3: i 'm not sure that there really are um, imagine that you're in a projection booth in a movie and you're projecting mm-hmm. a, a movie onto the onto the screen right. and the character does various things. Um, when you turn off the movie, those characters are gone. So when the hologram ends, there, there isn't, you know, we, we want to take a look at karma and consequences and all that kind of stuff. We are consciousness. Everything in creation of that oneness is just an aspect. Every grain of sand, every animal, every leaf on a tree, every person is a point through which the oneness perceives and experiences so the whole concept of consequence and karma mm-hmm. only comes from those people within the hologram trying to look out and defining what they what moral or ethics ought to be within the societies in which they live
2: all right if we trying- i'm sorry if we are actors or if we are participants within this holographic world and we are experiencing sensations and we are experiencing a life or what we perceive to be a lifetime with goals with love with hurt with anger with grief where is all this information going who is manipul- manipulating us
3: we're manipulated by the higher aspect of ourselves that have projected us into the hologram um as I said earlier, we, have, we appear to have the illusion of free will. We don't. We have choice. But that choice can absolutely frame the direction of our life within the projection done by the higher aspect of ourself.
2: But what's the what difference we... between choice and free will?
3: Oh, that's what we talked about the chess game, using the analogy when I, I asked okay. my guys. Choice, you can move anywhere you want within the red square. Right, right. You, don't, you do not affect the outcome of the game one whit.
2: All right, so you, so you can't go further than the length of your chain.
3: Exactly, or the length of your perception, or as far as you can view. This universe expands Mm -hmm. in direct proportion to man's ability to perceive it.
2: So what's the purpose of life,
3: then? As we know it. Oh, let's... Wow, God, you're asking big questions. Let's go back to the... What is the entire purpose of creation? What is the driving force, the impetus behind all creative acts? And the answer to me... Mm -hmm. is curiosity. Um, The oneness seeking to know itself infinitely, and an infinite universe demands infinite expression, and we are simply one tiny pixel in a vast, 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 unspeakably vast mosaic.
2: All right, I, I, I can picture that. But to what end? What is the final goal, the final objective of this chess game?
3: just to experience every possible permutation and combination that one can conceive. Totally driven by curiosity. There is no end game. From our standpoint of cause and effect, we look for purpose. Mm -hmm. But the game itself has its own purpose. And just having this vast, infinite experience of the oneness, all of which is accessible to everything is it's accessible to every being on this planet, every being throughout the galaxy. We're all, we're all intertwined and entangled in the deepest possible way, but we have the imprint of the projection coming through the illusion mm-hmm. of this reality. Uh, we're wiped clean of that awareness. So and it, so we're, in, we're made to operate within the constraints of, of thinking that we're here.
2: All right, if life is an illusion... Does that make death an illusion as well?
3: Projector. And the most misunderstood words in all languages are the pronouns. We throw, we throw around we, you, they, I, as if we understand what they mean. We have no concept of who I or you are. No concept at all. And we hold on. The ego has a great view of it. Mm-hmm. What happens to me when I die What happens to the character on the screen when the projector is turned off? There is no me. Yet that consciousness endures eternally in that infinite instant. So we're using terms that have to be squeezed through the strainer of 26 letters of an alphabet so that we think we can understand something which is incomprehensible.
2: But when we turn the projector off, the movie is finished. It has had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. So we know what the finality of the of the of the movie was, and the projector shuts off. But we can't say the same thing for our lives based on a holographic existence. Well,
3: we die. We die. We're outside of the hologram. But how
2: can we die if we're not real?
3: <laughs> that which is here ceases to be. The consciousness continues, and it continues in a. In ways that are in dimensions completely separate from the ones that we experience here in terms that are different, far larger than anything we can express here. Here we're within the red square thinking that that is the universe. Mm. There we begin to see the entire chess game. And our curiosity then drives us to project into another square on another planet or in another universe. Um but, I mean, we're getting some extraordinary stuff here. I mean, from my perspective right now, yeah. what we're seeing on this planet is we've had 12 separate universes until now sharing a common reality, and they're pulling apart. And so what I'm watching around me mm-hmm. is people resonating to different frequencies being pulled to their reality, their, their particular universe as all of this pulls apart. Hey,
2: JC, I hate to say this, my friend, but we're out of time for tonight. Exo Nation, <laughs> JC Cove has been my guest. It's always great talking to you, my friend. Stay well, enjoy Ecuador, and I look forward to the next time you and I chat. Always an interesting conversation with you.
3: Incredible fun, and I will send you a copy of the PowerPoint that I'm presenting for international
2: living. I look forward to it. I'll be back on the other side of the break, Exo Nation. Don't go away.